If it is your first time here with us this morning, my name is Ramon, and it's just so good to have you here with us. As we get started this morning, how many of us know that we all face highs and lows in life? Isn't that the truth? We all have good times. We all have bad times. We have times that we wish we could relive time and time and time again. And then there are other moments in life that we wish would just disappear, that we could just forget about it, that we never have to go through it again. And if we didn't remember it ever again, that would be even better. But we all have highs and lows in this life. This past two weeks, my wife and I have celebrated two different anniversaries. We celebrated the anniversary of her birth, otherwise known as her birthday. Sorry, I was just being silly. Um, but at the same time, uh, that was, what, two weeks ago. Then this past week, we celebrated a, a bit of a different anniversary. Um, for those of you who've been with us for a long time, you'll know the story for our visitors. Uh, essentially, this past Tuesday, I celebrated... The fact that 13 years ago, God saved my life on a road in Russia. And for me, this is one of those life-defining times. Since you just got hit from behind, parked at a, at a red light, got hit from behind by one of the guys in our group, broke my leg very badly. Um, all sorts of stuff happened from there. Um, for about two years after that, they didn't know if I was going to get to keep my leg. And all sorts of trauma went around that. Um, but even within that, there were these highs and there were these lows. Uh, the lows were quite obvious, immense pain. Uh, really just the most insane pain, especially in the moment. But, but that pain just kind of lingered for about two years. And that meant very little sleep. Um, I got married three months after the accident. So I was in a wheelchair for three months. Had like two weeks to learn how to walk on a cane. Um, because... I mean, you're getting married, the last thing you want is to hobble around on crutches. So we figured a top hat and tails and a cane will be able to disguise it. So in all our photos, we just look fancy. Um, but truth be told, we were hiding some brokenness. <laughs> so within that, there was even unsurety, uh, uh, yeah, unsurety of, of the future. Just, you know, what does the future look like? Do I get to keep my leg? Don't I get to keep my leg? Um, I was... Riding for Harley at the time, that was kind of my bread and butter. I couldn't ride motorcycle for two years, so that's out the window. What does the future look like? So there was all of these lows that we had to deal with. But what I learned in the process was that the highs outweighed the lows. See, the, the highs in that moment was the first thing that I, that I found was that I had the most incredible support structure I could ask for. I had an incredible family who just came and gathered around myself and Nats and just, and just loved us for the, for the longest time and, and helped us in so many ways. Uh, we had the incredible support structure of this local church that just climbed in and, and helped us in any way that they possibly could. So that was an incredible high that we experienced. The trip that we did was a missions trip. We went and dropped uh, a whole stack of, of Russian Bibles in... Um, in a, a little town just about three hours uh, east of Moscow. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, and, and one of the highs for me was the fact that these Bibles reached their intended purpose. They, they got into the, the Russian prison system, got into the Ukrainian prison system, and we received letters afterwards from, from, from inmates who'd received these Bibles and then corresponded back and just said, man, my life has changed. 
My life is absolutely changed because of the truth and the reality of what I've found in these pages. And, and, and I'll never be the same again. Thank you for your obedience. And that was an incredible high for me. Uh, but one of the greatest highs during that time was just the moments that I got to spend with God. There was these incredible moments where lying on my back on this road, I can't say that God audibly spoke to me, but I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that words were running through my mind that were not mine. And God just came and asked me some very basic questions, and, and, and it, it took me about three years to, to really answer them. But during that time, he just came and met with me in my hospital bedtime, and time and time again, and after that, it just it continued. And, and for me, if the trauma was what I had to go through in order to have those moments, then it was most definitely worth the trauma. Now, we may look at that story and, and go, but Ramon, you were on a missions trip. Like, weren't you in God's will? So how did you get hurt if you're in God's will? Like, you know, how, does, how do things go wrong when you're in the will of God? And whenever I think of that, I always think of the life of Paul. You know, Paul's this, this, this guy who sets out to persecute followers of Christ. Like, that's his mission in life. He goes out to, to persecute followers of Christ and and during the process he he actually meets Jesus on the road to Damascus and and has an incredible encounter with him and and through this encounter Paul's life will never be the chain the the same and today we know Paul as this guy who's responsible for having written two-thirds of the New Testament uh so within your Bible that 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 last bit Two-thirds of that. Why? They were just letters that he wrote to different churches and to different leaders. Um, and, and as he wrote these letters, um, they've all been compiled into, into what we call the Bible today, but specifically within the New Testament. And, and, and Paul, we can all say thank you to him for the fact that we are followers of Christ today. Why? Because all the other disciples, they were all reaching out to a Jewish audience. But Paul was the guy who put up his hand and said, guys, this has to go further. This can't just stay within this community. In fact, he said, when it comes to being a Jew, I'm the biggest Jew of them all. You know, I've, I've fulfilled the law. I've kept the law. I've, you know, but, but I recognize that the love of Jesus shouldn't just be confined to one place. It needs to go beyond this group. And today we get to gather here. We get to have real relationship with God. Why? Because one guy said, hey, this has to go further than just one group of people. But in having said that, if we look at the life of Paul, he suffered greatly. He really, he faced some massive traumas in life. Um, at one stage, because he was, he was sharing the love of Jesus and, and, and to the group he was sharing it to, it was heresy. They dragged him out of the city gates and, and, and they stoned him and they left him for dead. So you can imagine what trauma his body went through in that moment. On other occasions, he was shipwrecked more than once. I mean, it looks cool in the movies, but, you know, like the whole Robinson Crusoe vibe. But truthfully, I think it's quite traumatic. At one stage, he was adrift in the ocean for, what was it, a day and a half or something, something, something like that. 
He was whipped within inches of his life three times. And he was imprisoned several times. In fact, most of these letters that he wrote, he normally wrote them out of prison. He was in prison when he was writing these letters. And after all that Paul has been through, after all the trauma that he went through, after, after all the, the, the brokenness that he went through, Paul still gives us this advice as we face our own hardships in life. He says this to us in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12 and verse 9. He says this, uh, sorry, in verse 12. He says this, be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Can I repeat that? Be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, and be faithful in prayer. And we, as we, as we, Look at those three things. We may say, but, but, but who are you to, to really <laughs> tell us to, you know, to be joyful in hope, to be patient in affliction? Like, what, how does that even work? To be faithful in prayer? Well, as I said, so many of his letters were written out of prison. In fact, the book of Romans is one of the few letters that he wrote where he wasn't in prison. So I believe that Paul has, has the, the, the life capital. He has the life experience that gives weight to his words as he speaks. We know that they were, they were God-breathed. I get that. But at the same time, at face value, as we look at them today, Paul has that life capital to speak into this moment. So his first little piece of advice there to us is be joyful in hope. Be joyful in hope. I'm going to start off with hope. Like if you consider hope, hope is something that we don't really see a lot of in the world today. There's not a whole heap of hope in this world today. You look at our political structures and systems, there's not a whole lot of hope there. You look at our economic situation, there's not a lot of hope there. You, you look at, at quite often family structures and, and, and you see the lack of hope there. Our social settings, the lack of hope there. And if there's something that I've learned, is that it's exceptionally hard to have any joy without hope. And, and yet he says, be joyful in hope. So Nats and I, a couple months ago, we were facing some, some, some pretty big questions. We were facing some, some pretty rough times. And, and within the situation we were facing, it was completely out of our control. Completely out of our control. And during that time, as we were looking at this, we couldn't see a future. We couldn't see an outcome to this. It, it kind of looked like, like this is it. And, and I can tell you this. The moment that we couldn't see a future, there was no hope. There was, we felt like there was no hope for this. And as we felt like because there's no future, there's no hope, the joy of life was sucked right out of us. Fact. I'll leave you hanging for a moment. So what's this thing of hope? You know, is hope just this thing of, you've heard it, man, got my fingers crossed here's hoping let's just hope man i've got my fingers crossed 
I'm just hoping for a good outcome. And, and, and hope is so much more than just crossing our fingers, folks. Hope isn't just crossing our fingers. If you go and look up what hope is, hope is a confident expectation. Hope is a confident expectation. That means that I am confidently expecting a good outcome. I'm confidently expecting some form of breakthrough. I'm confidently expecting that God is who he said he is and that he's going to come through for me. That's what hope really is. But as I've explained that, let's be honest, hope doesn't come naturally, does it? Hope doesn't come naturally, but yet there is this search and longing for hope in each and every one of us here today. And the reason why hope doesn't come naturally is because hope has this enemy. It's called doubt. And doubt is birthed out of fear. I love what Owen McManus said. He's he's an author. And Owen McManus said this. He said, fear is faith in the negative. Shall I repeat that? Fear is faith in the negative. Fear is me having faith in a negative outcome. That's what fear is. It was leadership guru, um, John Gordon. I don't know if he's a guru. I just called him a guru. Uh, Leadership guru, John Gordon, who said this. He says, fear and faith have one thing in common. They both believe in a future that hasn't happened. Fear believes in a negative future. Faith believes in a positive future. If neither has happened yet, why don't we choose to believe in a positive future? I think that's a quote worth repeating. Earlier on, we, we sang uh, the song and, 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 and the lyrics. There was a line in the song that says, your name is the hope inside me. Your name is the hope inside me. You see, folks, I still believe that the only hope on the face of this planet is found in Jesus Christ. With all my heart. It was the, 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 the author of Hebrews that said this. He, he said that ultimately we let go of all the, of all the heaviness in life, all the trauma, all the pain, all, the, all that doubt, all that fear, all, all these, these heavy things that we carry around with us in life. He says ultimately we get rid of these, this heaviness in life. Hebrews 12, 2, he says, by keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. So ultimately, he, what, what the, the author of Hebrews is saying is, they're saying that this God who started this thing, he's faithful, and he'll bring it to completion. He's faithful to complete it. It's so coming back to, to the situation that's and I were facing. See, we had to come to this realization. We had to come to this realization that fear and doubt won't change until we change our focus. Fear and doubt won't change until we choose to change our focus. Why? Because our focus will determine our future. Today, in your life, your focus will determine your future. So, 
we can carry on like this. We can walk around, fingers crossed, hoping for the best. We can stay in a place of fingers crossed. Or we can put our focus on the cross and receive the outcome that God has in store for us. So Paul says, be joyful in hope. Then he goes on to say, be patient in affliction. Most of us have two problems with the statement. This thing of affliction, this thing of pain, I, I won't lie, I'm not good there. It's not my favorite space to hang out. I don't like pain. So already this statement has kind of rubbed me up the wrong way. Because I just, I don't like pain. But if there's something that I've come to learn about pain, is that there's no better teacher than pain. I learn at my best through pain. Pain is still a far better teacher than comfort ever will. Why? Because there's no need to change with the pizza on your lap on your lazy boy in front of the TV. I mean, there is, but there's no drive to change. But what about if someone's just rolled up to your house with a letter from the bank and started loading up all your lazy boy, your pizza, and your TV? <laughs> then where are we at? All of a sudden, pain has this ability, man, to open our ears and open our eyes to what God is saying. Pain is where we learn. It was the, 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 the actor James Garner. I can't say I've ever watched any of his movies. But he said this, and I thought it was worth repeating. He said, learning is a gift even when pain is the teacher. Now, the other part of the statement that we have a problem with, this thing of be patient in affliction, is this patience part. Like We don't like waiting. I don't know about you, but I hate waiting. So I don't drive a car through traffic. Because for heaven's sakes, I can't wait. I, could, I praise God for lane splitting every day of my life. I absolutely hate waiting. There was a TV show a couple of years ago, and um, it was kind of a messed up sitcom, but we won't get into the theology of it all this morning. Um, but essentially, the story line was that this guy had to go and meet with the devil once a week, and, um, and he had to go to the devil's head offices here on earth, and his head offices were the licensing department. So I was like, look, I don't know about the rest of your theology, but I think you guys are onto something there. <laughs> Why? Because I hate waiting. I had to do home affairs. Someone mentioned home affairs. I had to do home affairs this week. I just, I just took work with me. and I sat there with headphones on and I was just like, Lord Jesus, please let this line go fast. I'm going to focus here. I'm going to focus here. I hate waiting. Why? Because I hate being bored. I call it my generation. I think the generation after me is 10 times worse. But I just, I hate being bored. Y years ago, yeah, tell him I say how's it. Um, years ago, <laughs> years ago I read this study and, and, and in this study, it actually said that, that within boredom, creativity is birthed. 
that, that boredom is like this incubator for creativity. I didn't like reading that. They say that's why it's so important for your kids to be bored every once in a while. It's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing because it stimulates creativity in them. That wasn't parenting advice. I'm just telling you what the thing said. Okay. The study showed that, that ultimately creativity gets birth and, and, and we learn to solve problems by being bored. I think this speaks so beautifully into where God speaks to us through the psalmist in Psalm 46, where, where he says, be still and know that I'm God. It's almost like he's saying, hey, just go be bored for a little bit. Just, just clutch out, like forget about everything else. Just, what do they call it? Um, uh, disconnect. Disconnect from all the static, all the noise in life. Just, just come and be still, be quiet. Just take time to just, to just be with me. So when Paul says, be patient in affliction, what I'm hearing as I, as I read that is that we need to allow for pain to teach us. We need to be open to not just have to suffer and just pray for it to end. No, it's there for a reason. It's there for a purpose. And we can miss the purpose. And all that's happened is we were in a lot of pain. Or we can respond to it and go, Lord, what are you wanting to build into this life? What are you wanting to teach me? What, what are you busy doing that I'm needing to learn in this moment? So we need to allow pain to teach us and at the same time we need to allow that waiting to teach us and then God will start a creative process in you and in me to start seeing solutions so often we run to God and we just say Lord I need I need you to solve this problem for me Lord I need direction here I need guidance Lord this waiting's killing me but come on give me an answer and sometimes I believe it's, it's like God saying well it's in the waiting that I'm going to reveal the answer to you. Be patient in affliction. Paul is encouraging us to stay the course, to not just push through the pain, but to be patient with the learning process and to allow God to instill his creativity in us for his needed outcome so paul said be joyful in hope be patient in affliction and then thirdly he said and be faithful in prayer as i saw those words be faithful in prayer this is the thought that came to mind is that a change of focus and embracing pain with patience only comes from spending time talking to God. These things aren't natural to us. This thing of shifting our focus, this thing of, 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 of being patient even in our pain, they're things that don't come naturally. I believe the only place that we really, that we really 
connect with the truth of this and, and, and where it actually only becomes a reality in our lives is through spending time talking to God. See, because when we just be still and know that I'm God and then start talking to God and start connecting with Him and allowing Him to just come and speak His truths back into our lives, it's in those moments that we get to discover the personage of Jesus. We, we, we start to understand the character of God. We start to understand his heart for our lives. We start to understand who he is and what his desires are for us. As the worship team comes back. There's a, a song out right now that I was listening to, to through the week, and I believe it just, it just shows the character of God so beautifully. And it's, it's a song written by Ben Hastings and Joel Houston. And the chorus of these words, it says, So I'll praise you on the mountain, and I will praise you when the mountain's in my way. You're the summit where my feet are, so I will praise you in the valley all the same. No less God within the shadows, no less faithful when the night leads me astray. You're the heaven where my heart is, in the highlands and the heartache all the same. See, in Lamentations, it says this to us, it says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh, brand new, every morning. And Hebrews 13 says to us that Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, right here in this moment today, and forevermore. He doesn't change, but yet every day he comes with a fresh batch of mercy. That's his nature. That's who he is in our lives. And affliction can, can so quickly become our focus as we forget the, the nature and the personage of who God actually is. So, so, so how do I get out of it? How do I move beyond just, just focusing on this, on this pain? Well, Paul told us, we need to be joyful in hope. We need to be faithful in prayer, faithful spending that time with God, allowing Him to shift that focus. And then once we've done that, it's in that process that God will build the patience that you and I need to work, to work, to work our way through our pain, to work our way through our affliction. See, folks, it's, it's through these battles that God brings healing. It's it's through these battles that God that we get to experience the care of God. I was lying in my hospital bed. During that time, 
I think I was in a little company of Mary and someone came in and visited me and, and, and they didn't stay for long. They literally dropped a statement with me. And it was one of the best visits that I had. They just said this. They said, Ramon, just remember, on the other side of the greatest battles lie the greatest victories. Folks, you might be facing stuff in life today. But I believe that God's, God's heart for you today is for us to, to click and recognize that on the other side of these battles lie the greatest victories. But it's going to require a shift of focus. Thank you, Father God, that as you said through the psalmist, Lord, why would I tell you to search for me if I wasn't to be found? And I thank you, Lord, that no matter who we are here today, Lord, no matter what our background, Lord, no matter what our current situation, Lord, Lord, that your heart is for us to find you. Lord, and that you do not hide us, but Father God, that, that you make us, that, that you make yourself visible in plain sight. So Father, I pray that this week, Lord, as we, as we take our pain, as we take our affliction, Lord, Lord, as we take the stuff and the circumstance that we may be going through right now, Lord, Lord, and we just come and, 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 and we, we surrender it at the feet of, of, of our Heavenly Father who loves and cares for us and, and wants to engage with us. Lord, that during that time, you take our focus, Lord, and you shifted off our hurt, that you shifted off our pain, that you shifted off our circumstance, and that you come and place it firmly on Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, I thank you that as we head out today, thank you that I can pray for your protection over your people, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you also give us courage to go and live out the lives that you have called us to live, Lord. Lord, that as we head out with, with hearts, full of grace and hearts full of your love Lord, and hearts filled with an expectation, a confident expectation that you are who you say you are and that you are faithful in our lives. Lord, that from that place, we can go and be accurate representation of your son, Jesus, to everyone around us. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.